This has been my week of losing things. Earlier this week, I lost my keys to the church. I knew I'd had them because I left the church and I had, I had hit the, the fob box outside and then I'd gone home. So they were at home somewhere and I turned the home upside down. I turned chairs and couches over. I looked in all of the folds of uh, the, the bed. I, I looked every place that I ever put my keys and finally I gave up and I let Priscilla let me into the church and into my study and I'm sitting there and I found this wonderful map of uh, Tyre and Sidon and where they are positioned in the context of Israel and particularly in the context of the Sea of Galilee. And then I remembered where my keys were. And so I went home and I got my keys and this morning I can't find the map. So if you will use your mind's eye, if you recall the things I tell you about Israel, there's the Sea of Galilee up north, the Freshwater Sea. There's the Dead Sea down south, and in between them runs the Jordan River from, from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. And if you go to the northwest of the Sea of Galilee, about 30 to 35 miles, right there on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea, then you will find Tyre and Sidon. That's the region where Jesus was as this episode takes place. Only Matthew and Mark tell us about Jesus going to this region and encountering what's called a Canaanite woman in Matthew, a Syrophoenician woman in Mark. But in each case, uh, we find something different. Matthew gives us the conversation in greater detail. Mark tells us why Jesus had gone there to begin with. Jesus had gone for a little rest and relaxation. He had gone to, to, to pray and to spend time with his disciples. He had gone in order to uh, get a kind of Sabbath time that he could regroup and be energized some of us have sought some Sabbath time. In the pandemic, you would think that there would be Sabbath time left and right, but in fact, there's this pervasive anxiety that keeps us from being renewed and refreshed by even the time that we have. What kept Jesus and his disciples from being renewed and refreshed was that this figure comes out having heard of Jesus and his ministry and cries out. This woman cries out and she uses the language that would have been familiar to anybody of faith. The book of Psalms in the center of our Bible has been called the hymn book of the Bible. It's also a prayer book of the Bible. If you don't know what to pray, chances are as you go through the Psalms, the emotions, the agony, the gratitude, all that we can figure in to our relationships with God is there expressed in some way. This woman expresses it using the familiar phrase 
have mercy on me, Lord. That's another thing. All, all the places in the Psalms, have mercy on me, Lord, they're with my map. They're somewhere. I named them something that I can't find, but have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on me, for I am drowning. The waters have come up to my neck. Have mercy on me, Lord, for my enemies are speaking evil against me. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am low and I am hurting. Have mercy on me, Lord. My daughter is tormented by a demon. This woman is crying out, and she's crying out with such vigor that the disciples just want her to go away. There is some question as to what they ask Jesus to do. The grammar of the Greek lesson, and, and there is, I'm going to fall down here. There's this piece of carpet that I keep slipping on every time I walk behind the pulpit. The Greek grammar here leaves open the question of whether they say, Jesus, would you please go ahead and, and heal her so that she'll just go away? The other, the other reading of that is, she's bothering us, Lord. Just tell her to go away. But whatever it is, whatever it is that's happening, they're there for rejuvenation. They're there for relaxation. They're there to learn and to grow. But Jesus' reputation precedes him. Have mercy on me, Lord. The Greek word there, if you know any Greek, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. It's a prayer that we can all pray. We can pray it when we, when we pass an ambulance that is driving down the road and we know there's someone in crisis. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. When we don't know how to pray for somebody who is important to us, we know that that person, she or he, needs the mercy of God just as we do. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on me, Lord, the Canaanite woman says. And in unexpected fashion, Jesus says nothing. In this quiet exchange of glances, of this silence, the disciples then become agitated and ask that Jesus do something for her. And in verse 24, Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. One of the lessons we get from this text is that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. He is the Messiah that we are led to expect from very early on in the narrative of the Bible when God says to Eve that there will be enmity between her offspring and the serpents, that the serpent will strike the heel of her offspring, but her offspring will crush the serpent's head. We're led to expect the victory of Jesus. 
We're led to expect that there will be a new covenant, that hearts that are, are stony and hard and cold will be turned to hearts of flesh. We are led to believe through the prophet Isaiah that a suffering servant will come. And that suffering servant comes to us in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And if this passage reminds us of something important, it reminds us that our salvation comes because the God who created the world made a covenant with Abraham that his offspring shall bless the world. If we have the benefit of Jesus Christ being a part of our lives, we have that because of God's promise to David that one of David's offspring will be on the throne of Israel forever and ever. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is the second time he said that in the Gospel of Matthew. But the woman is undeterred. Once again, she goes back to the Psalms and the language of prayer. And she kneels before Jesus and she says, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And this is where Jesus says something that makes us uncomfortable. Jesus says it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. This is one of those passages where we struggle sometimes with the words of Jesus. What we see are the words that Jesus spoke. What we don't see are the expressions on the faces of Jesus and those around. I suggested recently as we were talking about Peter walking on the water that we could envision a stern Jesus saying to Peter as he was sinking. A stern Jesus saying, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Or we can see Jesus knowing that Peter is way in over his head doing something that human beings simply aren't made to do. And as, as Peter begins to sink, Jesus reaches out and says, Oh, you of little faith. Did you really think I was going to let you drown? Did you really think I was going to let something awful happen to you? And then both of them getting into the boat. Likewise here, we don't know whether there was a twinkle in Jesus' eye. We don't know. What we do know is that the term here for dog, there are several terms for dogs. Dogs in the Old Testament were not pets. Dogs in the Old Testament uh, were ravaging animals who came around in packs and tore carcasses apart. Dogs in the Old Testament were, you threw out your scraps and they came to eat your scraps, but they were kind of frightening things. But by the Greco-Roman period, dogs had become, in some instances, pets. And the word that is, is used for dog here is, is the word that would be used for a household pet. And the word for dog is a diminutive in grammar, which means something like 
little doggy. I have a dog. My dog is 10 years old. We got the dog from Aldersgate Camp. Somebody had dropped off a mama dog, and mama dog multiplied. And I was there for dean training at Aldersgate Camp. And I hatched a plan. My plan was to call Melinda and see if she would mind having a dog. But I knew there might be some negotiation involved. Now, this was 10 years ago. There wasn't cell phone service at Aldersgate 10 years ago. So I had to like, climb up a mountain in order to get cell phone service. And so I called and I said, there's this mama dog that has given birth to all of these little puppies. Would it be okay if I brought two of them home? That's when the negotiation started. She said, I don't think we want two dogs. But my plan all along was uh, you know, to have one dog. But we, we got there. We got there together. And so Lily is at once loving, obnoxious. At once loyal, obnoxious. Lily's been with us as a part of the family. And when we eat, she camps out under the table. In fact, I don't even know what to do if I'm at somebody's house that doesn't have a dog and we're eating pizza and, and like if I drop a piece of pepperoni I don't even have to clean that up at my house <laughs> because the dog is there just waiting, waiting on the crumbs I remember being at a friend's house that didn't have a dog and dropping something and, and, and feeling incredibly self-conscious as I got my napkin and uh, picked it up and threw it away. Jesus said, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs, to the little doggies. What we don't know is whether there was a twinkle in his eye. What we don't know is whether there was some sort of uh, Syrophoenician and Jewish uh, dialogue in which they called each other names and, and he was seeking to, to see how this would play out in this situation. But how it played out, it played out beautifully. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. The Canaanite woman recognized that it was true enough when Jesus said, I have come to the lost sheep of Israel. The Canaanite woman had a kind of humility, and humility is one of those virtues that is, if it hasn't gone out of style, it's going out of style. And all you have to do if you're a Twitter user is type in hashtag humbled. And you find out that people who describe themselves as humbled are not really humbled at all. I'm humbled that I have my 25 millionth follower now. In other words, <laughs> I'm not humble. I'm great. <laughs> I'm humbled that uh, everyone has agreed that I am number one in my field. It's just a way of bragging at this point is to say 
that you are humbled. The Canaanite woman is fine with Jesus' idea that he has come to the lost sheep of Israel. She doesn't believe that Jesus owes her anything. She's humble enough to say, yes, maybe I am like the little doggy that runs around the table that's a part of the family, but not one of the children. But even the dogs are provided for in the home. And Jesus says to her, one of the greatest descriptions of faith, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The Canaanite woman had faith. Faith that if she came to Jesus again and again, even if she wasn't one of his people, she could approach him as one who could quote the prayers of the Jewish people. She could approach him as one who asked for mercy and who asked for grace. And dear friends, when you ask God for mercy or grace, God will hear your prayer. Even those who find it surprising that God would listen to someone like them God will hear our prayers for mercy and grace. And God will recognize our humility. Now, I come from a holiness tradition in Methodism. And what that means is, I believe that God calls me to live a holy life of obedience to Him. God calls us to live holy lives of obedience to Him. I come from this tradition that following Jesus means that we're a new person, that God is always renewing us and, and giving us love. I come from this tradition where, where faith is lived out. But you can come from that tradition and get it wrong. I remember hearing the phrase growing up, um, especially from folks who were older that uh, said, you know, I, I don't smoke, drink, or chew, and I don't hang with girls who do. There are some people who, who honestly believe that doing certain things uh, will, will make God obligated to bless you in certain ways. But hear the gospel. The gospel is that God loves you in spite of who you are, in spite of what you've done. God loves you because God is love. God saves you because the entire Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are at work bringing life into your deadness, bringing strength into your weakness, bringing faith into your doubt. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are absolutely committed to making us new. And so, while the holiness tradition is a beautiful tradition, it's one that, that personally, as I said, I, I, I adhere to that tradition. It's one that can 
lead us astray if we believe that we earn God's love. When we fail to see, as the Canaanite woman did, that we need God's mercy, that we need God's help, and that we, even we, Gentiles that we are, speaking a different language from the Savior, looking different from the one who came to to save us, on a different continent, in a different era, we still need those words of the prayers. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We still need that simple plea. Lord, help me. And when we come in humility and faith, God will help us. God will have mercy upon us. Now, I hope that everyone here knows Jesus, and I hope that everyone here is eager to know Jesus more fully. But if you haven't made a decision, if you feel like you need to, give us a call this week. John and I will be around, and we can socially distance. We can take off our masks and drink coffee from, from different picnic tables outside or in here. There's, there's four chairs in the corner out here in the entryway. We'll be glad to pray with you and to talk with you and to share about God's mercy and share about God's help. What a strange text we've looked at today. But it's a text that reminds us that when the children eat, there are still leftovers for even those who think they are nothing. When those who are humble come to Jesus, he sees and proclaims their great faith. When those who are in need put their trust in the Savior of the world, they are not disappointed. Dear friends, seek that humble faith of the Canaanite woman who hears an extraordinary compliment unlike that found almost anywhere else in Scripture. Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.